The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Welcome to FOFOP. I am Will Anderson and uh, returning as guest Charlie Clawson for another FOFOP. Joe Fop, that's what people are calling now the Justin Hamilton episodes of FOFOP. And our Joe Fops, we've got Go Fops, which are the Gareth episodes. And we've, of course, got nearly 80, I think there's about 80 Dofops, which are the Dave Anthony episodes. And so people will have heard between your last two episodes and this one, they will have heard a Dave Anthony episode in between that just went up today so uh we are recording this like a week before people will hear this for the context of anybody listening we did one of these the night of the u.s election and it turns out things had got a little better by the time people heard that episode <laughs> we were not in a particularly good mood that night and uh I know that I've just finished taping Gruen and you've been had a big day as well, Justin Hamilton, but thank you so much for joining the show. No problem. I actually don't mind that that episode of Joe Fop was slightly out of date when people heard it because it ended up being a really interesting record for those particular hours when when Trump had decided he wasn't leaving. I agree with that. I went back and listened to... Uh, in 2016, when the Bulldogs won the grand final, there was a radio station that put out two weekly podcasts, a Saturday, I think actually maybe even a Friday, Saturday and a Sunday podcast of their football coverage for the year. So I went back, knowing that the result of the season was that the Bulldogs won the premiership, I went back and round by round listened to the podcast that was... So this would be like the preview of the game or talking about the games that happened the night before. So it was so much fun to go back in time knowing what happens and then revisit these various times in the season where people had these completely firm opinions that turned out to be completely wrong. It was (laughs) actually really fascinating. And it's also fascinating when someone gets it right as well yes. like there'll be that one person really early on someone calls it and yeah. you're like oh fuck mate you don't know how right you are <laughs> yeah yeah it's really exciting to listen to i'm i'm like that with basketball uh articles and podcasts and stuff as well it's it's always fascinating uh to especially when someone's got some really firm views and has written off a player that's my favorite stuff that person's done that person's over they'll never win the big uh, big game, you know, they never come through and you know in about two weeks' time they are going to be eating a lot of humble pie. I think it should be. We should have a day after, much like Boxing Day, they have the Boxing Day sales after Christmas. Much like that, we should have a day after any team wins a major premiership or somebody wins like an Oscar unexpectedly or those sort of things where anyone who has shit-canned them in the past gets a free day to just go... All right, congratulations to the Richmond Tigers. Here are all my incredibly bad takes about how they would never win this premiership. And it's like, oh, I reckon out. that would be great. Yes, I reckon that would be fantastic. Like, own it. 
I reckon that would be really fun listening. But I not would only like own it, like imagine how much fun it would be because this is was part of the joy for me was knowing your teams won. So knowing the Lakers are going to win the NBA championships this year, right? If the right. next day you can not just read a whole bunch of reports about the season they had and how good it was and how it all came together, but you can also read a whole bunch of people shit canning them and like having hot takes about how it will never happen. That would be so much fun to just sit around the day after the like, you know, championship and just luxuriate in people's terrible opinions that were wrong. Oh, it's fantastic. I've immediately thought of about four different American journalists with the NBA that I would really enjoy going back and doing the deep dive on. I would also like that with, uh, that, that would be fascinating with movies as well, I think. The, uh, I, I feel like there should be the Oscars and I feel like there should be the next year Oscars, which are about the movies from the year before and everyone can decide whether they were correct or not. Okay, so you were telling me before when we were setting up this call that it always amuses you at the start because, because we're both setting up the Skype call. I will have yes. this look of concentration on my face as I try to you know set up the call and you see that before I realise that you're on the call so you just get to see me you know, staring into a computer trying to work out what went wrong. So at the moment, um, I am doing that similar face because I am searching through a bunch of articles that I have saved <laughs> because there is one that is extremely relevant to the conversation that we are just having. And okay. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it on the spot. There's like a lot of pressure. I know that I could just actually stop this uh, conversation we're having, but... While oh, I'm trying to that? look for this, can you just keep talking a little bit about anything and I will see if I it's, can find this article. Well, it is really entertaining because it's like this is the most you've ever concentrated on anything <laughs> I have to say, but I know you're actually looking at your screen for something else. So as someone who never knew his father, I'm enjoying the attention, even if it's a little bit faux attention. But yeah, the idea of... We all get excited about a movie and it wins all these awards. We get excited by a performance. We get excited by everything about it and we give it all the Oscars. We give it all the Oscars one year and then it's like the cooling off Oscars and we have a year to cool off and then just all look at each other and say, Shape of Water? Really? Is that the movie that should have won Best Movie? Was that... Was that the time that we should have really delved into genre? And I think that would be... I would almost want to win the cooling off Oscars more than the Oscars because it would mean more. It's, it means people have had longer to soak in your work. They've had longer to think about it. There hasn't been a two-month turnaround. They haven't had a screener and they're frantically trying to watch it on their computer. What they've actually had time to do is return to it, go back, pick up on things that they never noticed the first time, go back and watch that other thing that they thought was fantastic and go, wait a minute, that was just because I was in a cinema and I'd had a really good dinner with a really close friend and I was a little bit drunk and I thought it was better than it was. But now that I'm sober and I'm watching it, this is fucking shit out. So here is the article. It is headlined, My Daft Punk Review Hasn't Aged So Well. Guardian Critics on Getting It Wrong. So this is an article that I haven't actually read yet, but I just bookmarked as something that I might be interested in. And it's exactly what we're talking about. So it is people revisiting shit that they got wrong. So 
let's have a little look through. So, okay. The first uh, album that is discussed is Daft Punk's Discovery. So they have a then and now about what, you know, uh, the way it should be described. So then, crushingly disappointing follow-up. Now, arguably the most influential album of the past 20 years. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That's a turnaround right there. (laughs) Um, All right. Let's see. um, Phoebe Bridges. Oh, no, she's the singer. Okay. The movie Mean Girls. Here we go. Then, icky high school comedy that ends up celebrating pettiness. Now, hilarious high school comedy that delivers great laughs. Right. (laughs) It's like the rest of the world caught up. Uh, What was I thinking? Was I hangry? Did I need a snack? When I watched Mean Girls in 2004, scripted by Tina Fey and starring Lindsay Lohan as the shy, smart student who has to infiltrate a clique of popular classmates, I grumpily tied myself in knots trying to prove it was upholding the very body fascism it was supposed to be criticising. Long after that, due to my 30 Rock addiction, I became a Tina Fey superfan and saw the Mean Girls musical on Broadway, which was a joy. Recently, I watched <laughs> the film again with my wife and 16-year-old son, and we all loved it. It's just enormous fun. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan and top Mean Girl Rachel McAdams are both great. I should have lightened up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. that's You know what? I respect that. I totally respect that. Have you ever had a particular hot take on something and then gone back and, and flipped? Because I've got something in mind. The most obvious one to me is the TV show Gogglebox, which we've spoken about before, which when I yes. first heard of the idea of the TV show Gogglebox, I said this is the worst idea for a TV show I have ever heard. Is this what society has come to? People watching TV is now what we're watching on TV. The pop has eaten itself, shit itself out and gone, oh my God, that shit looks delicious. What have we become as a society? And yet now, like just this last <laughs> week, we've been dipping back into a series of the UK goggle box from 2017. And again, a bit like this, that idea of going back and seeing what people were saying about Trump in 2017 or see what people were saying about you know what entertainment was working and what wasn't and how the world would change is fascinating the uh did i ever tell you that i wanted to do a um a a sketch for uh, for a tv show that i worked on that was going to be what's the word is it google plex which is uh uh, a number to 10 or like it's massive and it was going to be people watching our show critiquing it and then there were going to be people watching that show critiquing that and then it was going to be people critiquing that show and it was going to keep going right around until it came back to our show and we were watching it as well and uh sometimes you make suggestions to uh tv executives that halfway through it you go why have i said this idea this is a this is a good idea and I'm saying it to the wrong people it's like going up to an elephant and uh trying to explain the poetry of t.s Eliot not the elephant's fault, but it's the wrong audience. Did you say T.S. Elephant? No, Elliot. <laughs> then I'm not interested. I'm an elephant. <laughs> I don't need to hear this shit because, as you well know, I will never forget it. And then for the rest of my life, I'm wandering around with fucking T.S. Elliot in my head. And here's the thing. You know what? I don't need that shit. I'm out on the savannah or wherever elephants yep. live. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Big fan. 
described then as another generic cop show. Now, a brilliant series about a superhero trapped in a horror movie. Oh, that's a good description. Oh, yeah, so, okay, well, that's an interesting one because I watched the first two episodes of Luther after having lots of people rave about it to me and just couldn't get on board and liked everyone involved, but just it didn't land for me. So maybe that's one I have to go back to. I have watched the first four or five series. I have not watched the most recent series yet, but I've got to say I, I liked it. I mean, I'd watch Idris in almost anything. Like he's one of those people that I just have an incredible soft spot for and so i think oh, oh, is, am i thinking about it's called Lu that's luther right idris yeah Elba. yeah yeah what, what am i getting it confused with there's an, another show about the devil that's on like i see on netflix and stuff lucifer lucifer okay cool yeah right yeah. so i've got the right one i had a i had yeah. a little moment there where i was panicking where i said i love yeah. idris and you were really silent and i was like am i talking about the right show this is no i was just paying attention <laughs> uh, okay, so this is uh, what he said. I was mean about Luther after its first episode. Unenthused about another show about a cop who doesn't play by the rules. I called it the worst thing I could think of. Something that Robson Green should star in. But as the series progressed, it wound itself tighter and tighter, wrapping a story about corruption and murder around the sort of terrifying jump scares you only see in slasher movies. It was nothing like a generic cop show. It was actually a comic book in disguise. I felt so bad about trashing it. I even printed an apology. So there you go. He's ah, a man. Stuart good. Heritage is a man after our very own hearts that he's printed a retraction about what he thought about the show. There's been heaps of times that I've seen stuff and not enjoyed it for other reasons. Like the first time I saw Knocked Up, I went on a date with uh, my girlfriend at the time and it was just an awful cinema like there were people on their phones there were people talking there were people getting up and going out to get drinks and come back and you walked out of it just going yeah and you know what that movie didn't really work for me and then years later you watch it without any of that stuff and you go oh turns out heaps of jokes sometimes you go on a journey with movies as well the worst movie i've ever seen in my entire life was a movie called damage i think and it starred Willem Dafoe and I hated it. I just literally was like, "That is, this is a terrible, terrible movie. Yet there is a quote right at the start and it's the theme of the entire movie, which is hurt people, hurt people. And it's become one of my most quoted things that I say. I think it is one of the most compelling messages I've ever taken away from a film. And it was in the worst fucking film I've ever seen in my life. In fact, I've never watched it again. Maybe I should watch it again now and I would actually appreciate the movie. Maybe. I don't know. That's a, Maybe you got the best part of the movie, which was the quote. I mean, maybe. That is also a possibility. <laughs> okay. But by the way, um, if you, you know you said you would watch anything with Idris Elba in it. Have you seen The Mountain Between Us with Kate Winslet? Oh, now I've heard you tell me how terrible it was, but I have not it, watched it. The Now, that was awful, but I had a really good time in it because I went with Adam Richard and he giggles like a child and I didn't know he wasn't enjoying it. But there's a point in the movie where Bo Bridges is a pilot and he starts to have a stroke while he's flying the little plane over the mountain. And for some reason... At the same time, without saying anything, we started thinking of Peter Graves in Flying High. It was like 
he was having all of the all of the food poisoning <laughs> moments and the plane went down and I got to a point where I was laughing so hard but holding it in because I didn't want to upset people around me and I was actually telling Adam off because there might be people here enjoying it. We don't want to ruin it for anyone else. And then the very final scene happened where, you know, I don't want to spoil it, but this scene happens where they get back together and it cuts to black and it was so cheesy and the whole audience erupted in laughter and people clapped and I've never been more relieved to go, oh my God, we're not alone. We're all having the same experience. Here's a movie that is very close to my heart. It is not The Prestige. It is not uh, The Dark Knight. So I'm going to see if you can guess it or not. But it's a movie that when it first came out, I absolutely like this movie. I I mean, here's what I will say about this movie. This is a (laughs) very storied director and people would consider the other movies they've made to be superior to this movie, although this was a well-regarded movie as well. Um, But it is my favourite of their movies. Can you guess what this movie is? The Phantom Thread. (laughs) Nailed it. Move on. Uh, Next. (laughs) I'll give you a clue. Okay. It's set in the world of organised crime. Okay. So it's by a story director. The opening titles, this might give it away, but the opening titles come up a ridiculously long way into the movie. It's like 17 minutes or 25 minutes or something ridiculous like that when the opening credits of the film actually fucking play. Oh, right. It's not Reservoir Dogs, is it? That takes a while No, kick in. That's a good movie, but not my favourite Tarantino movie. My favourite Tarantino movie is... That's a good question. I like a, I like all of his movies, apart from The Hateful Eight. I didn't really love that, but... Um, I'm all about. I would say Kill Bill one and two. I'm going to count them. Both. Oh, really? I think they're my favourite Tarantino films. That's yeah. interesting. Why are they your favourites? Don't know. Really, I love the um, Nazi one as well. What's it? What, what's <laughs> Inglorious Bastards. Inglorious Bastards. I, yeah. I must admit, I did like that a lot as well. It's... And I watched Pulp Fiction again recently, and I was blown away by how revolutionary that film was. Yes. At the time, like I just thought, oh yeah, it's really nice. Like you know, like with Christopher Nolan, it's like just when somebody's just doing their own thing, it's actually really nice to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You know, uh, as you know, I for some reason the one movie that I'd missed of his was Jackie Brown, and so I came to that quite Love late. It. And uh, I think that's my favorite film of his. And I that's, I, that's Amy's favorite. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I kind of it's it's a real fork in the road movie I think because I wonder where his career goes if that is a bigger hit but of course it worked out well for you that it wasn't because you got the Kill Bill movies so right um okay so it's not uh, Quentin Tarantino no it's a story director is it someone who's worked in gangster movies before it is someone who's worked in gangster movies before is it Casino uh, you've got the right director. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm trying to work out. That's funny. I'm trying to work out what other gangster movies he's done. So, well, he's done... Gang- gangster might be a little bit misleading. I said organized crime. Oh, okay. Oh, um, oh, right. Yes, of course. Actually, I threw in gangster. It's obvious. It's uh, the age of innocence. <laughs> it's um, it's uh, 
The Departed. What was his name? The Departed. Uh, Q, we're going back to Boston by the, uh, what are they called? The Dead Set Turkeys? No, that <laughs> Irish band, the fucking Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, no, but I like the Dead Set Turkeys. <laughs> they, they were great. Underrated Ladies too. and gentlemen, the Dead Set Turkeys. Is that the Dropkick Murphys? No, it's the Dead Set Turkeys. Yeah. Couldn't afford the Dropkick Murphys. Yeah, I saw them do support for the Dropkick Murphys. To be honest, it was confusing. <laughs> I love The Departed. Uh, it's one of my absolute favourite fucking films. Like, I like just can watch it over and over again. Right. So, I'm, I'm curious about this because I'm also... How do you feel about the final scene, which lots of people say is completely... On the nose. And I, I mean that very final scene. You mean when the rat, like, yeah. yeah. So the thing with the rat, because he's a rat and then there's a rat at the end. Yeah. I mean, whatever. Like, is you know what my real answer is? It does not ruin anything for me. Yeah. Does it make it a better film? Would it be a better film if, you know what? Just fucking, sometimes I watch Shaun of the Dead up until when I know his mum's going to die and I'm just like, nah, fuck it. The movie ends here today. I'm saving Sean's mum's life today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need to go on. I know what's going to happen. And, and today I'm, I'm saving the rat. the rat. Yeah. I reckon I've only seen the rat once or twice. I've seen that first 20 minutes or whatever the fuck it is up until the credits so many times because if it's on TV, I'll just be like, I'm going to watch it until the dropkick Murphys. Yep. <laughs> I'm here until the dead set turkeys, turkeys. fucking get out their fiddles. <laughs> and, that, and that cop in that fucking room. After fucking Alex Baldwin and Marky Mark have just been in there chewing the fucking scenery. Yeah. And then he goes, what was his name? The Departed. <laughs> awesome. I, I just really, I, I just don't think anything is perfect. And when people write something off over something that literally takes like, five seconds of a movie or like, I can understand that it might take you out. I'm not saying they're incorrect, but if I waited for everything I watched uh, to be perfect and I'm only going to love it if it's perfect, then I'm not going to love much. What a ridiculous way to live your life. Uh, It sounds exhausting. I mean, fucking as a famous t-shirt once said to me, Justin, and I've remembered this forever (laughs) since much like that quote from the movie damage starring Willem Dafoe. I live by two principles. One is hurt people, hurt people. Yeah. And the other one is Poe Body's Nerfect. And I think we've always got to remember <laughs> that Poe Body's Nerfect, Justin. Oh, man. Poe Body is. Poe Body's, Poe Body's Nerfect. Let's see what Gwilym, Gwilym, oh, G-W-I-L, got a little will in there. I like it. William, <laughs> yep. William Mumford. William Mumford said this, then a bloated Marty misfire. Now, the last of the swaggering crime epics. Initially dragged along by the riptide of goodwill for Martin Scorsese's Boston crime drama. Scorsese doing another mob film with Leo, Matt Damon and Jack Nicholson. I recoiled on re-watching it a decade later. Nicholson's overripe performance, Ray Winston's criminally... Bad Boston accent. Oh, 
Ray Winston is so fucking good in this film. Like <laughs> Jack's amazing. Yeah. Ray Winston's fucking amazing. Plot holes big enough to drive a truck full of stolen microprocessors through. I agree, but that's not the point of the fucking film. Uh, this was a Marty misfire, he says. But in a weak moment during lockdown, I stuck it on. And now I'm a believer once again. No one makes these sorts of operatically overheated crime sagas anymore, not even Scorsese. And Damon's clammy performance as a conceited double-crossing uh, Cop Sullivan remains a career best. Could not agree more. Matt Damon in this film is fucking awesome. Leonardo DiCaprio is fucking awesome. And like, as I mentioned earlier, Alec Baldwin and fucking Mark Wahlberg as the comedy coupling you did not know that you deserved are just fucking amazing. And you've got Jack Nicholson and Ray Winston and a bunch of other really fucking great actors in this thing. It's fucking great. By the and way, introducing the Dead Set Turkeys. By the way, you know who flew into Byron today? Marky Mark Wahlberg. I, I saw yes. that. Might have to go looking. I mean, if he wants to quarantine up at our house. Yeah. And talk about his role in that. I, I feel like Mark Wahlberg. I'm happy to do a mofop <laughs> if um, <laughs> if Marky Mark wants to come on fofop. Yeah. I'm up for it. Might have to do it at two in the morning. Doesn't he get up at two in the morning to start his day? Sometimes a movie is is just, it's. It, it's so appealing in, in its overall presentation that those kind of criticisms are, I don't know. That, that It's not that they're incorrect. It's like, can't you just enjoy it? Can't you just sit back and let it wash over you? Like, this is a master of their art. Okay, this this is awesome. So, Marky Mark's living up near where I live. Yeah. So, where do I catch him? What's he doing with his day? that I can run into Marky Mark. Well, now we have Justin, his entire schedule for the day and what he does at every point in the day so we can work out. Uh, he gets up at what time? What time does Marky Mark get up in the morning? So I made a joke earlier, but I have a weird idea that I have read something insane like 4am. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say. When you said 3.30, I think before, did you say 3.30? I think I said 2 and okay. I was being funny. Well... Well, I say that in inverted commas, depending you on You weren't how... being that funny, it turns out, and that is not a criticism of your humorous content. Oh, no. It is just a reflection on the fact sheet that I have about Marky Mark Wahlberg in front of me, which says that at 2.30 a.m. every morning, that little uh, alarm goes off, a little good vibrations, and he jumps <laughs> out of bed to do what? What is the first thing that Marky Mark does with his day at 2.30 a.m.? So I know he is... Two things. Pretty religious, pretty fit. So I'm Good. guess you're in it's you're in the right area. Right. So unless he's doing I reckon he's doing one of those things. He is. Not both. No. But one. And he's maybe oh he's not doing both, so he's definitely not bench pressing two Gideon Bibles. I reckon no. I reckon he's working out. Ah, uh, you've got you've taken the wrong door there. Uh, Wake okay. up and pray. Okay. So at two thirty a.m., he wakes up and he prays. That's so different to well, me because I wake up and swear. <laughs> oh no, my back, my ankles. Well, what's 
So he prays for a while because 45 minutes go past. 45 minutes of praying. Yeah. He's got a lot well, to say. Well, waking up. 45 minutes of waking up and praying. Do you, do you reckon he wakes up slowly? I reckon he wakes up and gets out of bed in his in his boxes that he's been wearing since he was 19 and gets to it. Yeah, but but you still got to go to the toilet and like, you know, just like he might brush his teeth or something like that, like, you know, before he gets it down. You, you don't want to be praying with stanky breath. I would imagine the respect that Marky Mark has for his religion and his Lord and Saviour, yep. that he would get up, he would go to the bathroom, he would sing happy birthday twice while he washed his hands, he would brush his teeth so that his prayers, he would probably brush his teeth with some very expensive toothpaste that isn't available to ordinary people so that his prayers to God be whispered on, on sweeter lips. Yeah, and you never want to pray before you've taken a crap because you're not sorry. Because you're just not going to be entirely focused. All right. So 3.15am. What is he doing at 3.15am? Well, I I feel like... It is not what you've mentioned before. It is a separate thing to the two things you've mentioned. We're going to get to the other thing you've mentioned in a minute. Right. But in between praying and working out, he is going to do something. He's got to eat, right? He's got to eat, Justin. So he has breakfast at 3.15am. And, and uh, it Mark Wahlberg sits all be, down and has breakfast. And does it say what he eats? I'm I'm guessing it's it's a protein based. Well, this particular article that I've clicked on is not telling me, unfortunately, which is okay. uh, annoying to me. But yes, he eats breakfast. I'm he taking allows, a guess because of Hugh Jackman when he used to work out as right. to get in shape for Wolverine. He used to get up and eat sixteen chickens before. Light broke. Yeah, that's... I mean, Chris Hemsworth did the same with Thor. He had to wake up every four hours or something and, like, eat poached chicken and stuff like that. So, (sighs) he eats for 25 minutes. Then... Hang on, what? Like, he's got a specific amount of time he's allowed to eat? Well, well, because he's got to get to his workout. So, his workout goes from 3.40 to 5.15 a.m. What? What's he doing? Does it say what he's doing? Like, I'm guessing he's doing doing some bench presses, he's doing some squats. He's doing some squats because he's had a crap and he's had a pray. So now you can do the squats. Uh, okay. At 5.30 a.m. post-workout, what is he doing? Well, I'm hoping he's having a shower. He is going to have a shower at 6 a.m. But in between the shower he has at 6 a.m. and working out, he does something. Does he do a follow-up prayer? Like, does he give himself half an hour to in case he missed something before? You're in the right zone. Well, as in, it's a follow-up. Right. Oh, oh, it's a follow-up breakfast. He has a second breakfast, like the hobbit that he is. Right. They call it a post-workout meal, but he has a second breakfast, essentially. 6 a.m., he has a shower. Now, he allows an hour and a half in his schedule for his shower. I hope he's not showering for the entire time. That is an incredible waste of water, particularly for a man who probably lives in I don't know. Actually, I was going to say he lives in California, but he might not. He might live in like New York or somewhere. But um, uh, an hour and a half. So he has his shower. He just kind of gets ready for the day, I suppose. He'd be exfoliating. He'd be putting some creams on his face that tighten the skin, you know, freshens up. You know what? Shower, beauty routine. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Okay. Some maintenance. What's he doing at 7.30 a.m.? Is he getting his kids up? Because he's got kids. By the way, he's been up for fucking six hours. And it's like, 7.15. Like, I feel like I need a rest just describing his morning. 
So, so is he getting his kids up and preparing their breakfast? Or their no, this workout? is something that he's doing himself. Right. Well, himself or with some other people, but it's something you can actually do by yourself, but it's also something that's enjoyable to do with other people. Uh, he, he's building... When I say it's enjoyable, I personally wouldn't enjoy it, but lots of men our age very much enjoy it. Uh, God, I wish I was a man so I could work this out. The... Is he doing yoga? Something you and I, I don't think that, like, I've never heard you express any desire to do this thing. He drives but a car? But it is a thing that many friends of ours do. Our good friend Limo, he does it. Breakfast radio. He gets up and does it. <laughs> Breakfast radio. <laughs> Marky Mark hosts a shift on SAFM. Yeah. <laughs> Limo, Cozzy and Marky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's something that other professional sports people love to do as well when oh. they're not playing their own sport. Oh, like watch other sport? It's a sport that they are allowed to participate in. Oh, he so plays golf. He plays golf. Right. Uh, at 7.30am, he plays golf. At 8am, while golfing, I imagine, um, unless he's playing a very quick round of golf, what does yes. he do? He has another breakfast. He snacks. He, he snacks. also snacks. <laughs> ah. I'll eat every it, one of them. Nom, nom. 8 a.m., 10.30 a.m. and 3.30 p.m. He snacks. He snacks. So he's so, th- so I'm guessing that first breakfast is a humdinger and then the second breakfast is even bigger and then he's just grazing for the rest of the day. Well, we'll, we'll see when we get to it. Right. 9.30 a.m. It's 9.30, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Sorry, Marky, for using the Lord's name in vain. What does he do at 9.30 a.m. after his round of golf? Does he... It's to do with his fitness. It's a recovery technique. I'll say that. It's some sort of fitness recovery technique. so, so So it's not just stretching, is it? So it has to be something specific? Is he doing Pilates? More high tech. More high tech. Oh, yeah. spin cycle, spin spin class. He goes into a cryo chamber. He does cryo chamber recovery for an hour and a half. Right. Well, if you can do it, cryotherapy is a procedure that involves standing in a chamber of up to minus ninety degrees for a couple of minutes. Any longer would literally kill you. He does a session for an hour, <laughs> and then. Do you reckon he makes the same joke every time he comes out? Like he comes out and he says, Welcome to the stage, Walt Disney. No one's there for it. It's just his little joke. I reckon he comes out and he just goes, Look, two minutes in there, my penis is normal size. (laughs) That is a good vibration right there. (laughs) 11 to 1. He has two hours. What's he doing 11 to 1? 11 to 1? Yeah. Well, surely he... Is this taking into account, like, is he reading scripts? Is he doing business? Yeah, so meetings and work calls and scripts, that's in this time. And he's also spending some time with some some people outside work. Right. He's family. Oh, it's family, family right. (laughs) Family times, scripts, meetings, work calls. Oh, so that's all of it. You've got a a tight two hours, everyone, while I read this script for me to find out how your day went yesterday. What's he do at 1pm? Well, 
Oh, hang on. Is one p.m. is that his is that his next snack? Lunch. Lunch. How long does he have for lunch? One hour. One hour for lunch. He's not grazing at all. He must be. He's loading up again. Well, he's been awake for three days at this stage. So, <laughs> like of course, he has to keep eating. Far out. You know, I've I've often thought when I've seen him on things like uh, the Graham Norton show, he he's he's one of those alpha males that has a sense of humour, and it's his sense of humour, and it's nobody else's sense of humour, and he will he'll find something funny if he said it, and then now and again. I've seen him have a few drinks and it's really hit him hard. And now it makes sense because by the time he's on the Graham Norton show, he's been up for three days. He's been living the movie Insomnia. (laughs) And not seeing it as a problem. 11 and a half hours into his day. It is 2 p.m. He's back in some meetings and work calls until 3. What's at three, he's doing something else for his family. What does he do at three o'clock every day? Uh, picks up the kids from school. Picks up the kids from school. What does he do at 4 p.m. when he's dropped the kids home from school? Well, it still feels like it's... Oh, dinner? No, but something else that he enjoys doing. Oh, more golf. Uh, no. He's working out. He's working out. He has his second oh. workout for the day. At well, thank PM. goodness. Yeah, because he only had an eight-pack. That goes till 5 p.m. Wow. And then Where's the commitment? What does he do? What does he do at 5 p.m.? Well, he's got to have another shower, right? He's got to have another shower. Well done. You're starting to get a vibe for Marky Mark. A good vibe, if yeah. you will, for Marky Mark. <laughs> um, what does he do at 5.30 p.m.? Hang on. He only had half an hour for this shower? Yep. This he is does a power shower. He does as much beauty routine at night. So oh, yeah. He's already done his maintenance. what does he do? Uh. 5.30, it's got to be dinner with the family. Dinner, family time. Well yep. done. Oh, you're right. 6 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Tight 30 minutes. Speak Five, quickly. 5.35. <laughs> Third workout. <laughs> what does he do at 7.30 p.m.? Uh, so maybe he puts the kids to bed? You're Cause... close, but not quite. I mean, right. he may. But he also right. does something else. Whew. Has a snack? <laughs> no, I can't quite work out. 7.30. Does he do some more work? He's been up since 2.30. Yeah, has a coffee. What does he do? <laughs> <laughs> has his first latte for the day. Start to fill it. <laughs> he goes to bed. He goes to bed at 7.30 p.m. So that's, that's oh, his secret. You know what? Funnily enough, my next, whatever the next time was, I thought mm. might have been. So he goes to bed at 7.30. 7.30. Never seen Gruen. Never seen Gruen. That's disappointing. It's going to be tough. Unless he, when he's in quarantine, he watches all the old episodes on ABC iView. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe when he catches flights. I mean, he might be watching something while he's working out, maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's when he catches up what with Gruen. What better Ma- than a panel show about advertising? <laughs> Like, that's, uh, that's my preferred time to watch anything at 2.30 in the morning <laughs> while I'm pumping iron. Boy, wow. That was, that's exhausting. That was the whole day, wasn't it? Yeah. That just, like, I, I'm not judging, but I just don't see any part of that that's fun except for the bits where he has heaps of breakfast. I mean, all the meals I'm enjoying 
Yeah. Like we've had a double breakfast at times on on the road. Like we've we've done some things to some buffets around Australia that we could be put up on charges for. I mean, <laughs> like we have destroyed it's some buffets. Funny what you miss. That's what I will say. It's really yeah. funny what you miss. But when you say that, like as we've discussed a little bit on this podcast and I've talked about on my other shows, is this idea of me there's there's something about my return to stand up that yep. is in the way of it at the moment because it, it is possible now for me to do a show in front of people and i have not done a show in front of people since the end of march and it's a huge part of what i've done for the last 25 years and i feel like i should be really aching to get back to it and for whatever reason that i'm letting play out and i've got some theories on but i may just find out that i'm wrong later on i'm just trusting my feeling i worry sometimes that i'm putting up an artificial barrier you know that i've created the problem but i don't think that's right i think well i think that i'm just like because what i've really been saying is because even to my management and stuff like today i had to explain to somebody around another project i was like they said, oh, well, so when do you finish in Melbourne? I said, I'm not going to do Melbourne. I'm not going to do a show next year. I said, I'm going to wait until, you know, I really feel like I have something to say before I go back to stand-up. I need to have a think about my relationship to it and whether it was healthy and what I want to do going forward and all these things. So I think it's, I think I'm being sensible. I actually think I'm, you know, doing the right thing, not forcing it. But when you talk about us being on tour, eating double buffet breakfast. That's what I miss. Like yeah. I'm not at the point where I'm missing the standing on stage, talking to people bit of it. Well, actually I do. I think I do miss that. At the moment when I picture <laughs> that person on stage, I just don't think that he has anything that is fully formed and interesting to say yet. And I just want right. to, when I get back there, make sure that the person on stage has got something interesting and funny to say. And I do miss the audience, but fuck, I miss that more. I miss just <laughs> hanging out on the road and yeah, eating ridiculous food and laughing backstage. And, you know, I mean, in the early days where we would like tour to places where we'd be in the same car for like five or six hours, you know, driving across Western Australia to go to shows like, never laughing more like i still want still one of my favorite memories and i'm I, i'm like forgive me if i've got this wrong but i'm 100 percent sure it was kathleen so kathleen was driving us around and we had bought uh at a roadhouse a rodney rood cd because she had never heard rodney rood and yeah. is that right do you remember this yeah no that's exactly what happened and we were playing this Rodney Roode and not even like a classic Rodney Roode. <laughs> no, it was, it was a new one. <laughs> but like a new Rodney Roode. So it was just, I mean, with all due respect to Rodney Roode, <laughs> it was it's horrible. Like it was just completely unlistenable, but you and I were enjoying it so much, just her discomfort, to the point where she wound down the window in the car and as we drove through the middle of the fucking outback, she just pushed eject on the CD player, grabbed the CD in one hand while she was driving and then just fucking frisbeed it out 
so far yeah. into the middle of the desert that somebody, if they'd been looking through binoculars, would have thought it was an alien invasion. It was yeah. spectacular. She probably killed a kangaroo, probably garroted a kangaroo as it f- flew through the air. By the, by the way, the album was Rodney Roode's Frog Sack. <laughs> <laughs> and the cover was, I think, if I remember correctly, was his head on a frog with a massive sack. I could be misremembering it. Frog sack. And then I started a character in the back seat called Rodney Ruder. (laughs) And I kept falling asleep and then I'd wake up and say Rodney Rude style jokes that were Ruder. (laughs) I I performed with the, what were they called? The the weird ass turkeys. The dead set the, turkeys. Oh, the dead set turkeys, and Rodney Ruder. I opened for them. Um, before we started, you said you had something you wanted to talk about. Have we talked about that yet? Oh no, 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 no. So I was, I was, I was just curious. In a year that, and by the way, this is this will sound. I think this is quite funny, but it's also kind of sums up the year. Have you had a moment this year where? Everyone's dealing with everything. We all have our personal stuff and you deal with it. You just deal with it. But then something that's kind of small and kind of inconsequential comes along and that's the thing that breaks you. (laughs) Oh, so many. Like, and I've been really good because there's been some real challenges this year and I've been trying to, I've read a lot and I've been trying to be kind to myself and I've been trying to like put in good practices and those sort of things. But obviously living in a new environment and facing just like practical challenges. And then we were in the middle of that storm and there's been a lot of damage and I've had to learn how oh, to yeah. you know, garden and clean, just fix things. And there was one time when all the power went out and I checked the fuse board and I couldn't work out why the power was out. And then the next day the like electrician came and, it turns out it was really fucking simple. Like it was one yeah. of those things where I paid him extra because to like, never a, tell anyone he'd made the effort, but B, it was harsh money. It was 100% fucking harsh yeah, money. Yeah. I was like, Have you turned the light on? <laughs> switch goes up. It honestly was one of those things where I was just like, I remember when he left, like yeah. I was in the garage where it had happened and I just stood in the garage because I was just like, I literally was just like, you you just shouldn't be trusted with things. Look at you. You're useless. You can't oh, no. do the one thing you're fucking good at and you're no good at anything else. You are, And it was just like, it broke me. So that is, that's perfect as well. And it's, it is, it's always something kind of tiny. I, I feel like mine's even a little bit worse in a way because at least yours was something practical and at least you learned how to do it from now on, right? Barely. Like, honestly. (laughs) I'm trying to make you feel better. (laughs) And I thought, you know, the worst thing was I thought I'd done all the right things. Yeah. I was really practical in trying to work it out and I was really trying to, like, you know, we've only got tank water and bore water on our property, so it's taken me a while to get my head around how all the pumps work and, you know, what tanks are which and how it all, like, just operates. And I finally think I've got my head around that and then I have to call a fucking electrician because, like, I just, if I'd turned on that switch, everything would have been fine. And I'm uh, just like, here's double hush money. Don't double. 
you <laughs> you pulled out a check, you signed the check, and it's like that's weird. He looks down. Oh, Adam Hills. That's uh, yeah. okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I hop off. <laughs> I feel like you're being a bit harsh on yourself. Like this is a whole new environment. This is a whole new thing. That's hard. Some of it is really hard, but I've mostly been fine with the challenge. That was right. not about that. It right. was about all these other things that my yes body is experiencing. Like it feels like this is such a crass way to put this, but um, doing Gruen has been such a interesting but also incredibly challenging in ways that I couldn't have comprehended before we went into it. Like it feels like every week we put together this show and we work so hard on it, but the purpose of the show has always been to do the show. We do it as a live show in front of people that then just gets filmed and you know, cut up and put on television. But for us, it's always that build to that live show that we do. We've been doing it for fucking 11 years that same way. There is an inbuilt structure and we're all exhausted the next day because we've done a show, but it's exciting, right? right? In a week, you're doing a show and then you get to do the show. But now we just film it. It's like we film the rehearsal and then that becomes the show. And so it's still pleasing for the audience, but we don't get that release. And I realize that I have some sort of weird, like, presentary blue balls. And right. again, I apologize for the analogy, but but that's what it feels like because... We're doing it on behalf of other people. Hopefully that they will be entertained by it. But the thing that we normally get out of it, which is actually just doing that show in front of that audience, which is fun and exciting and terrifying and, you know, has all that energy to it, has just been completely removed from the scenario. So we just like, it's like we film, it's like I get into my suit and we film a rehearsal and then I go home. Yeah. Like there's no way that if we were doing it the normal way, we could do this podcast afterwards because I'm just normally fucking exhausted at the end whereas like now i'm a bit more like oh well I'll, you know i'll come home and justin and i can do a podcast yeah you know cal wilson was telling me on uh, on my podcast that uh doing zoom corporate gigs normally you finish the gig and you get to drive home and just think about it and think about the highs and the lows and burn off the energy etc but it's been really weird like she does a zoom corporate gig finishes, turns around, opens the door, and there's her son saying, can I have a sandwich? Right. <laughs> there's no uh, – I think her and Claire Hooper were having that same experience where their kids are just like, oh, yeah, you're done. Yeah, so I'm hungry. <laughs> there's right. no kind of – There's no debrief. There's yeah. no – like, I mean, even in our world, that idea that we would – so we'd do the show normally, and then after the show, I normally would have, like, a beer or if I'm not drinking during the season – I would just have like a, a drink with the writers and the producers and we have a chat about what we think went well and what didn't go well and what we're going to do tomorrow at the meeting for next week's show. But really it's quite fun. You know, we gossip, we have a laugh, we take some time that it's our one period of time because by midday the next day before the show's even gone to air, we're working on the next week's episode. So we've moved on. But we used to have this brief window between when we completed the show and we could have like the post-show drinks and we could just kind of relax and debrief and have a laugh and then, you know, get into it again the next day. You can't have a drink, you know, like the COVID safety and all those sort of things, you know, you can't have it. And I'm not complaining about that. I think, great. And, you know, we had a real uh, attitude at Gruen that we would like absolutely, you know, go over the top to set an example of like, you know, playing by the rules. We didn't want to cut any corners or I haven't shaken hands with any guests on the show you know we really do try to keep it as COVID safe as we possibly can um, 
but it is part of the process that just hasn't been there. And it's such a weird thing to like, often when I'm feeling like something in another situation, I have to go, you haven't done a gig all year, like, you know, for, well, for nine months, 10 months, that adrenaline that you used to, that you processed in that exact same way for a quarter of a century is not being processed in that way at the moment. Like your body will feel different. Your mind will feel different. Like you're living a very fucking different life. So if it sometimes feels overwhelming, then then I, then that's okay. Try to cut yourself some slack. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, you have to be aware of that. That's well. That's kind of what inspired me to ask you that question because, I, so a little bit of uh, backstory. In the middle of 2019, I just had this fear, and I think we talked about it like, not on a podcast, but I just had this fear that I have all these frequent flyer points that I have built up over the past two decades. And I just had this fear that maybe Qantas would do something to devalue them. You know, yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, 600,000 frequent flyer points can get you some Bose headphones. <laughs> and so I thought I've got to cash these bad boys in. And then I just suddenly had this weird moment where I didn't know where I wanted to go. I just didn't know. I just had no real burning desire to fly anywhere. And lots of places I thought, oh, that'd be nice. But I'm like, well, if you're gonna if you're gonna spend these frequent flyer points that you've built up for so long, what what would be inspiring? And then it got to a point, like I thought about this for about a month, five weeks, and I was like, God, I'm still not feeling anything. Maybe I've got to think about something that brings me real joy. And I was watching the NBA Finals, and it was the Toronto Raptors versus the Golden State Warriors. And there's two guards that play for Golden State. There's Steph Curry and there's Clay Thompson. And the way those two play basketball together, to me, has been poetry over the last five or six years. Golden State's not my team, but I love the way they play the game. I love the way that they complement each other. They both have different kinds of styles. They're both beautiful shooters. But the thing that I love the most about them is that whenever the other one is scoring heaps of points, the other guy doesn't get jealous. He just gets the ball to him more and celebrates as much as when they're the one who's right. killing it. And I love Steph Curry, but Clay Thompson's my guy. Clay Thompson once scored... 60 points in a game and he held the, I think he dribbled the ball 11 times and held the ball for 91 seconds. Like that's how quickly he was scoring and he could have played the fourth quarter, but he didn't because they were up by heaps and you should let the bench players play. Like that's that. I love it. That's everything I love about sport. That's everything I love about basketball. And I love those guys. And I thought, you know, what I'm going to do, they've got a new stadium. I'm going to fly to San Francisco. I'll start, Wherever I go, I'll start off in San Francisco, stay there for a couple of weeks. I like San Fran a lot. I'll go and see Steph and Clay play basketball together. And then I watched them in the next game and Clay tore his meniscus and he was out for the next season. And I was like, oh, well, isn't that just kind of, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> like, that's sport. Thank goodness I hadn't spent the frequent flyer points. That would have been a disaster, right? So anyway, so he didn't play this last season. And then, of course, the world goes to shit and it's all been awful. And the NBA did a really good job of uh, playing out their season and they're starting the new season on the 22nd of December. And it's coming around really quickly. And I was 
literally thinking, well, the good thing is, is that Clay will be back and I'll get to watch Clay play basketball with Steph and that'll be something for me to look forward to over the summer break. And then the other day, the news came through that he's torn his Achilles on his other leg and he's out for the next wow. season. And I was at my computer wow. and I just stood up and I put my hands on the table and I had not much, just a tiny weep, just a tiny weep of just like, oh, not Clay, not Clay yeah. again. Like, can yeah. all the bad things that I've just kind of taken on the chin or had mild nervous breakdowns about on this podcast, it was just just a little moment of pure sadness and that was the moment that I felt no you've got me you got me for a moment 2020 fuck you you have given me a tiny little moment of breaking (laughs) um I realize when I look back on my travels that if you take out the like unwork related ones yeah most of the time I've traveled to go and see rock like rock music like to go and see shows to go and see bands play and stuff like that like, you know, when I went to Spain, I went to Primavera, the music festival there. Like, you know, we went to, you know, New York for a couple of weeks, you know, a couple of years ago to see Radiohead play at Madison Square Gardens. And I had thought that this year, well, firstly, Faith No More were touring Australia. And that nearly happened. Oh. That was like in May or whatever. And that yeah. we had tickets in like three different cities and whatever. And I was really looking forward to that. You know, after all those years of Faith No More not playing together. To, you know, anyway, that was devastating. And then the other one was uh, Rage Against the Machine and Run the Jewels were going to do like a co-headline tour of America. And I had already made the secret agreement with myself that I was going to take, you know, my treat this year at some stage was to find a date on that. And I didn't really care where. It was just going to be wherever suited my schedule. I was just going to pick out like some dates I was playing and go and see them in a couple of cities. And I, that was, and I was just like, ah. And then they're out. The new Run the Jewels album came out, and it's fucking awesome. Like yeah. this, this was even before the new album came out, and then the album comes out, and it's just fucking amazing. And then right. I'm just like, ah, oh, I really that that to me is the one. When I look back on the things that we missed out on this year for whatever reason, that one is the one that I that comes to my mind. It's funny, and I wonder if people listening to this feel the same way. But it's you take so much on the chin and you try to process it and you try to understand it. It's almost like these are the things that you can just be upset about. Right. Because everything, everything else is so full on. You just have to deal with it, but missing out on a console or a guy that you just loved watching the way he played basketball that you're allowed to go, you know what? I'm just going to let this affect me the way I can't let anything else affect me. And I'm sure people listening have had that as yeah. well. It's controllable. You can move on yeah. from it. You can have your yeah. moment and actually move on from that. Whereas some of the bigger shit, if you started crying about that, you would never stop crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You would never have called the electrician. <laughs> You'd still be in the dark. <laughs> Amy just would have found me three weeks later. That's when she checks. And I've just been standing in the garage. <laughs> Head in hand, weeping. <laughs> like it was just a switch, just a switch. The uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about because it feels like something that you would be totally into is: Have you been following the story about the mysterious metal monolith that first appeared in a Utah desert and then disappeared and has now turned up in northern Romania? 
I this is the first time hearing of this story. Oh, really? I, you know what? Here's what I will say. I am trying very much to read more books and read less social media. And what oh, that yes. means is I am missing some stuff along the way, things that would ordinarily come across your radar. I'm not watching any traditional sort of news TV or anything like that. Like I have to, to a certain extent, be across some things for Gruen, but our show is yeah. very advertising focused. So realistically, most of what I need to learn for the show, I just learn in meetings during the week. And then outside that time, I've actually been, I've, I've read heaps of books. I reckon I've read, like if I've taken, so eight times, eight episodes we've done, so I've taken so far 15 flights and I reckon I've read 12 books. Like, Yeah, good effort. I am loving it. Are you a quick reader or are you? Yeah, it turns out I am quite, well, depends on what the book is. There are some things, like I read Fiona O'Loughlin's autobiography, her latest sort of autobiography, and because it's very readable and because I kind of know, you know, kind of some of those stories and, you know, how Fiona writes and thinks, like that's 200-odd pages and I read it on a, like an 80-minute flight or something like that because, you know, you can read it very quickly. But I'm reading this book by a guy called Jay Shetty at the moment. And he was a monk and now he's kind of like a motivational speaker, you know, whatever you call them these days. But like, yeah. but that's kind of what he is. He's like a self-helpy dude. But I, I actually think that some of what he says, I'm quite interested in monks and he has a nice accessible way of explaining, you know, like I, I don't want to go and be a monk. I'm just happy that a dude who was a monk has some of that wisdom to share with me and has written a book. That'd be a waste of good hair. If right. you became yeah, a monk, right? <laughs> you've got good hair. Like, don't. No, like, I, don't I, I would, do, ta- I I would take that personally, silence, guys. Because look at this. Look at what I'm. <laughs> look what like. I've got going. <laughs> that would be when we'd fall out. <laughs> Why doesn't he talk anymore? Ham, I just took it as a complete affront that he didn't want to have her hair anymore. The um, so a mysterious metal monolith that uh, it appeared in a Utah desert. Yes. And it was uh, quite tall and it was in a really weird part that was actually difficult to get to. You had and to hike to get to it. solid metal? It was, it appeared to be solid metal. And then... It appeared to be, though. Yes. From what I've, uh, from what I have... Yeah. Uh, but did somebody read, go uh, up and knock on it? Did, has, yeah. Like- and no one answered. Uh, <laughs> there were pictures of uh, people, you know, standing on shoulders. Like, that's how big it was. And then, so people started trekking towards it and they weren't meant to, they weren't meant to go there. It was in an area that was, uh, um, I think it was about 12 feet high. I think that's how big it was. Okay. And it wasn't meant to be there. Anyway, then, and it was a three-sided structure, I think. And then it just disappeared. It was gone. And now it has turned up in uh, Romania, and it's like it's like a chrome version of the monolith from two thousand and one. And I have this fear. I, I I guess like what I'm enjoying about it is I'm just allowing myself to believe that it's something great, and I'm sure it's not. I'm sure it's just something practical or it's just a bit of a joke or whatever, but I'm just really enjoying the idea of these things 
appearing in places. Well, I don't want to prestige you, but it's clearly two different monoliths. There's well, one in Romania and there's one in the middle of the fucking desert or whatever and they're making it appear like it's the same monolith that has travelled from one place to the other, but it is absolutely 100% not. No. Well, one's smooth and one's ha- one has patterns. But, you know, like maybe they're related. Like, you know, your cousin doesn't look exactly like you. Maybe it's a cousin monolith. Yeah, but the idea that a couple of people around the world, like there are people who listen to this podcast in all different countries. If I just said hey, get your paper mache out, we're going to build a monolith and we're just going to mysteriously plant it in backyards and get people to take photos of it. It would be pretty fucking easy to pull together that. like. But that's still fun, right? That's still a fun thing. Like I like to, I don't want to know what it is, even if it's a, even if it's a hoax. I like the idea of the hoax. Well, it's 100% a hoax, firstly. There's no, like, I mean, well, no, it's like it's really happening. It yeah. hasn't purported to be anything other than what it is. Like a hoax implies that it's purporting to be the idea like of being something more mysterious than what it is, whereas actually it has not made that claim. Okay. What I don't want it to turn out to be, what I I like the idea of nobody really knows what's going on. That's what I like. What I don't want it to turn out to be is really good marketing for the new chrome-plated Criterion 2001 4K Blu-ray edition. 100% what it is, though. You're yeah, absolutely right. It's definitely I don't want it to be. In fact, I should know about this for Gruen. It's definitely an ad for something. <laughs> the iPhone's coming out in Chrome. Whatever. I don't know what Chrome. it is. But... but sometimes you just sometimes you just don't want to know things. Don't you think? Sometimes you just want to have a little bit of mystery. Uh, I'm fine with mystery. As long as the mystery isn't dangerous, I'm absolutely fine oh, with yeah. mystery. Like, you know, I'm happy for things to be. It, it pisses off Amy no end. When really? I am like... When I say, you know, she goes, what's the explanation of this? And I'm like, oh, I don't know what the explanation is, but I bet there is one. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I, I don't want to know. That know is who... really my attitude most of the time is yeah. like, there's a reason for that. I'm just not smart enough to understand what the reason is, which I guess in right. some ways is similar thinking to those who just believe that the reason is, you know, magic or religion or any of those sort of things. So... I don't be too, like, I'm certainly not judgmental about that. I'm just saying that my way is always, how do you explain that? And I'm like, ah, I reckon there's probably an explanation. Dr. Carl yeah. probably knows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he knows everything. I've got um, his number. Let's call Dr. Carl. <laughs> but I, I don't want to know, like, I have no interest in knowing who killed JFK. Oh, I mean, I mean I'm interested. But once, once you know, then you you'll never get to speculate again. I don't need to speculate anymore. I've had my speculation time. Now I want some firm answers. All right. You've had enough. It's time. Jack the Ripper. Um, no, he wasn't that good, actually. Misleading nickname. <laughs> Jack the all right. Jack the all right. Jack the terrible, actually, <laughs> to be honest, mate. No, I'd like to know them all. This was, this was you know, the Trump hope. The hope that Trump would just go city to city revealing secrets. Like, this is still... That I'm, is the I'm greatest tragedy it. of his presidency. Well, that I he guess, didn't... like, he could reveal them later, right? Or can you only reveal them when you're president, probably? But it's such... Like, imagine if he sold that series to... Like, whoever did The Apprentice, like, they get fucking, you know... Mr. Survivor, can't remember what his name is, but the dude who invented Survivor also invented The Apprentice and he's like a big reality TV show guy and Trump rings him up and he says, hey, 
I've got the best show of all time. It's just going to be me revealing secrets. We'll do like 12 episodes and we'll just play it from the White House for the last 12 weeks I'm in office or whatever. That's a good show. I would actually tune into that and I feel dirty for saying those words. Right? That'd be fun. But, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe the premise is he's going to reveal seven things that are true and five things are bullshit and we have to work out which ones they are. That's even more fun. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, it'll be the first time he's ever said seven things true to every five that are right. wrong. So it'll be so hard to work out. Great for him. <laughs> time to speculate. Uh, Justin Hamilton, your podcast is called uh, Big Squid. Yes. Uh, all sorts of goodness going on over there. What's going on this week on Big Squid? Uh, this week, uh, so Ben Elwood and I are racing. We've only got uh, two more of our Christopher Nolan rewatch, so we dig into Dunkirk, uh, which uh, I think might be – it's not my favourite Nolan film, but I think it technically might be his best film. So that's a that's a really good chat. I also do a review of the new Elvis Costello album, Hey Clockface, which is, uh, a, a, if you're a Costello fan, uh, you know, 100% a great album from him. And uh, we've got the uh, Christmas show, uh, Big Squid Fomus. It's for people who would rather celebrate Baby Yoda than Baby Jesus. And we're going to do that on the 13th of December. People can see that at Giant Dwarf in Sydney, or they can uh, stream it online. And we have uh, all sorts of guests, including uh, Rove McManus, Cal Wilson, uh, Richard Feidler, Georgia Mooney, and uh, a few more. And that's going to be a lot of fun. We're all celebrating the the different types of things that we like to uh, listen to or watch or talk about uh, over the Christmas period. Uh, thank you very much for doing this, my friend. Uh, it has been an absolute pleasure. If people like this podcast, there's another one called Tofop which this is a spin-off of with uh, Charlie Clawson. And you can go to tofop.com for this one, for Tofop, for Two Guys, One Cup, our AFL-adjacent podcast. And, of course, Willosophy, my interview podcast. And this week on Willosophy, actually it'll be last week when people are hearing this, but last week on Willosophy, uh, Tim Payne, the captain of the Australian cricket team. And oh. then this week it might be Zoe Coombsma by the time people are hearing this, but a uh, brilliant comedian. In fact, the like best live stand-up show I saw in like, well, I can't even remember time anymore, but I think it was the year before this one. <laughs> yeah, seven uh, years ago, her, last year. <laughs> was her show, yeah. um, Bossy Bottom, which I just absolutely fucking thought was incredible and incredibly hilarious. And people can watch that on Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime. And there's a 30-day free sign-up period where you can just check out shows if you don't have an account. Uh, thank you very much, Justin Hamilton. Thank you. Thank you.